0: Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of
2: challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis.
0: Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all. Welcome to another episode on Success Secrets Exposed. Today we're going to be talking about listening from the inside out and you're going to have a very warm and heartfelt episode with you today. So welcome and I'm glad that you've joined us. So for those that are actually new to the show, I'm a marketing and business growth strategist for coaches, consultants and speakers and I specialize in content repurposing and LinkedIn conversations. And it's very much my role to help you amplify your voice, your message and your impact. And today's going to be a beautifully warm and impactful um, episode for you today. I have a very, very special guest, a very close friend of mine, Nicola, who is the total embodiment of a strong feminine heart-centered speaker, also a speaker buddy. And she connects with huge and genuine depth and warmth. Now she's been described as knowledgeable, brilliant, engaging, uplifting and of course incredibly genuine. She's an absolute adventurer at heart and has hiked, camped, skied and parasailed, mountain biked etc in over 35 countries. So certainly very adventurous at heart. She also collects degrees and we must some a little tip to tell you something a little bit outside the box she doesn't own a television but she loves vintage markets afternoon naps and photog- photography street art can't get my tongue around for photography today but she makes some beautiful um social media posts with her graphic art etc all designed to help you connect and ground yourself. So without any further ado, please help me welcome Nicola Lipscomb. And we're gonna be talking about listening from the inside out.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Welcome. It's such an honor and a delight to be here with you, Sally. So thank you so much. Oh,
0: it's been been a long time coming, but I'm so glad you're here too. Thank you. It has,
1: it has, yeah.
0: So I'd love you to tell the audience and the listeners a little bit about your backstory as to why listening in particular uh, became a key element of one of uh, one of the things that you deliver and talk about.
1: I often describe myself as a former pharmacist and a recovering academic. So <laughs> my, <laughs> don't hold that against me. <laughs> uh, that's kind of my... My professional background, that's where I came from. It was very scientific, very technical, very cognitive. And if I was to describe my journey in one sentence, it's really moving from head to heart. A lot of people say it's climbing down the ladder from the head to the heart. For me, it was uh, a lot more messy than that. It wasn't a nice little step by, by step that people think it could be. It was more like some rocky mountain and I'm sliding down all over the place going, what's going on here? Where am I going? Yeah. And to really start to live, listen, lead, be in a completely different way. I really used to very much just live from my head above. And a lot of people that come from technical, scientific and indeed academic backgrounds understand that because that's what's valued, that's what's rewarded. Mm-hmm. But as far as human connection goes, it, it wasn't working for me and I've had lots of experiences along the way that really shook me up and made me really think mm-hmm. my purpose in life and what was meaningful and what I wanted to do. And really, it it started to come down to that connecting with people and realizing that a lot of the time I was pretty lonely. Yeah, yeah. I was I was surrounded by people, but I didn't feel seen or heard for me. And part of that was I wasn't revealing myself. And equally, because of the kind of the armor and the barriers that I had up, and the lenses that i was looking at mm. other people with i wasn't really seeing hearing others either and part mm. of the the journey cuz i was reflecting coming into this conversation was the more self aware i became the more my personal growth and awareness and evolving and becoming a lot more grounded, embodied, present, centered, mindful, all those things for myself and understanding myself, wow, I really started to see, hear, feel others differently as well. And professionally, particularly within the academic environment, one of the courses that I designed and delivered was a communication course for pharmacy students. We realized that they had technical brilliance, Mm. and no people skills or very little, you know, kind of people skills having yeah. empathy. So I kind of dived into a lot of the research then as well. So kind of my personal experience combined with my professional job at the time and did a whole lot of research and it blew my mind how absolutely critical listening underpinned everything. Mm. It underpinned everything the ability to understand the ability to connect to engage for performance for just just about anything within the workplace you could come down and go you know what would make that better if we listened better Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just going to add um, something to that, if I may, because we spoke yesterday on the phone, and you picked up that I was in my in my very much in my head, in my fast-paced
2: space,
0: which was which was funny. It was great because I was aware of it, but I hadn't really become self really self-aware of it. And it was such a great tip after we got off the phone, because I think I said to you I'd been practicing a a a new presentation, and I always caught it to reflect back. I don't know what I looked at uh, I looked at the before I spoke to you version and then the after I spoke to you version um and other to, other than to say that the difference in time frame was you know doubled because that was exactly what I needed it to do I needed to slow down instead of speaking really quickly like I was and uh, blah, blah 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 um and that was just such a beautiful gift that I got yesterday because you you mentioned you could hear in my voice how fast I was in my head and then by the time I slowed down I was able to actually get into a really nice cadence and the the video obviously was longer which is what I was looking for but I actually grounded and it became more impactful and purposeful versus I've just got to get this practice and do it really quickly and so thank you (laughs) (laughs) it's so thank you (laughs) um it's so easy to um as you said get stuck and lost in our head and go down on those tangents we don't um listen to others but in, my, in that instance I wasn't listening to myself and I wasn't aware I was just
1: um,
0: but if we do take that time to uh, really ground things around us change dramatically uh, they do
1: what,
0: yeah what you're seeing they, in the workplace etc
1: very much so and they are very intimately connected, being able to listen to yourself mm. and to be able to listen to others. And I I've, I've very much talk about the inner listening landscape. So a lot of the listening presentations and trainings that I do are very different because it's the inner work, it's the inner landscape. Because if that changes, the outer behaviors automatically change. Mm. We don't have, or well, I don't believe anymore in the active listening training that's very much out of the 80s, which is still taught a lot, it's all behavioural, mm. but I can, I can look you in the eye deeply and lean forward and nod and you go, you're not listening to me, you're just acting. Yeah. So... A lot of people have been taught the behavioural skills, but without a genuine internal shift, it's quite disingenuous. And Mm. we are aware as human beings, we're really quite smart (laughs) to be able to pick up that that. you feel it. There's a dissonance there. Even if you don't know what's going on, it's just that level of trust Mm. is not there because there's something that doesn't gel. Whereas if you are genuinely present, genuinely open and curious with a willingness Mm. to change yourself, because that is one of the, the risks, I guess, with being a truly present powerful listener is you're willing to be changed by what you hear
0: Mm. so that
1: your views your ideas your perceptions what you want to achieve perhaps in that conversation you have to be willing for that to change and in in business speak today that's about being agile Mm. so being able to really be open and listen effectively to somebody and be changed by by what they say or willing to be is Mm. part of that agility that we need today in in leadership particularly
0: and with that agility too because you also touched on um i'm going to use the word reinvention that wasn't quite the word that you wrote um that you said but i'll reveal you talked about revealing yourself and unless you have the ability or preparedness to reveal yourself you're never actually going to be able to be agile i would imagine either so there's there's a growth phase in 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 that aspect as well
1: there's a a huge a huge growth phase in that and Mm. a lot of people and we know that Brene Brown's work in particular Mm. about you know armoring armoring up that people have this persona this have they they have a a mask um Mm. a sort of a personality that they believe that they need to operate within takes a huge amount of energy to do that Mm. so in order to be able to really take the message in from somebody else, which is the verbal, it's the vocal, it's the visual, it's the energetic.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Even that a spiritual level, you know, there's multiple levels. It's a real embodied level of listening that you can go deeper with. You need to have that capacity. And if most of your capacity is tied up and how am I looking and how am I presenting and how are they perceiving me and what should I be doing? And Mm. it's like you don't have the full capacity to be taking in that other person or it's about receiving that other person.
0: Mm.
1: Receptivity is a huge part of listening and Mm. getting your head around. It's not that you're sort of with with somebody and there's this ping-pong effect of words <laughs> going backwards and forwards, yeah. you've got to try and think of really being receptive to that mm. other person. And when we talk about it, it says, oh, yeah, I can do that. But when there is difference and diversity, mm. that's when the rubber hits the road can, to can you put aside your bias, your judgment, and truly receive that other person in the spirit from which they are giving themselves?
0: Mm. And does that help then lead to what I'm going to use the word wholeness, whereas mm. when you have a either a wholeness as a person because you're becoming more through talking to somebody else – and also having a wholeness within the conversations. What's some of the dynamics that you're aware of with your research and obviously what you've been practicing with with groups and audiences?
1: As human beings, we crave to be seen, heard and valued. So it's biologically wired in us. It's attached to our need for tribe and belonging. And to feel that true understanding and connection Mm. And part of that is achieved through witnessing one another. We actually learn about ourselves and grow ourselves through a really good witness, which is a really good listener. We have the opportunity to voice and have that reflected back to us, to have it land so that we actually learn about ourselves. Mm. And if we look at childhood development, one of the challenges or what the research has shown is for people to really step into self-confidence and that self-efficacy, trusting and believing in themselves, they actually have to have grown up in a household where they are listened to because that is where you learn about yourself. It's not all in your head. It's through the experience of being witnessed so that you start to grow and learn about the aspects of yourself, which is wholeness. And the more that you can reveal about yourself and that is witnessed and reflected back to you, Mm. the greater your wholeness is and becomes. And then the conversations and the connection becomes deeper for both because you're operating with more of each of you than you know, often I'll say, well, if I'm only revealing like 40% of myself and you're revealing 50% of yourself, you know, we're only ever having half a conversation and connection,
0: mm, mm, mm.
1: Do you know, whereas if you can mm. witness somebody else so that they bring more of themselves and you bring more of yourselves, suddenly there's there's so much wholeness and richness for both.
0: Mm, mm. And that's Does that make you, sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling that and that's where you see you, ha- you can have a, conversation I'm going to call it that half full conversation with somebody you just sort of got that toing and froing but when you have a really deep and meaningful it's probably the common language a deep and meaningful conversation with somebody it's sort of you get that exchange and it becomes um evolving and evolutionary Um, it's it's a different sense and I've I've certainly witnessed that and seen you do that uh, within workshops for sure um, so, can you tell us a little bit um, about what happens, or what you go through when you start with an audience? Perhaps, the, the, if we use the sort of the academics or the people that are like I was yesterday, brrr, uh, ah. where they come into a room and they're all they've all got their armor on, they've got their masks on. How did, what sort of process do you take them through so that they're actually discovering themselves and discovering the wholeness opportunities that are there for them?
1: One of the first things I always do is a grounding exercise. Mm. So most people aren't aware of how much in their heads they are or how much they are still hooked into what's happened that morning. Mm. So one of the very first things I do is have a a little check-in with people to go just just think about where you're at at the moment, a couple of words to describe how you're feeling, where your thoughts are, and then take them through a mindfulness and grounding meditation, Mm. which really gets them out of their heads into their bodies, and then ask the same question.
0: Mm.
1: How are you feeling now? Where are your thoughts now? And people shift. So yeah. it's experiential for people to go, oh, I didn't realise how agitated I was. I didn't realise how in a flurry my th- thoughts were. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise how tight my body was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we go through an experiential exercise to get mm-hmm. people a little more in their bodies to, to understand that. Yeah. We do pair work. I do a lot of pair work or triad work with people because Talking about listening, honestly, isn't as effective as experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So one of my favourite exercises I take people through is listening between the head and the heart. So it's the head bubble versus the heart space. And the easiest way to get people into their head bubble is you get people to worry about something. What's something that's you know yeah. you're chewing it like you yesterday. Yeah. You're worried about what you've the speech that you've got to do and the time you've got to do it, and you're all in your head. Yeah. And then we get people to team up and have a conversation. Yeah. Then we take them through a guided process where I get them to drop into their hearts, and it's using a bit of the I don't know if uh, your audience knows about the Heart Math Institute and Heart coherence method we use a little bit of that to get the bot, the physiological body into alignment into coherence get the heart mm. space that's opened and then we do a listening exercise with that and then I sit back with flip charts and go headspace heart space or head bubble heart space what's the difference mm. and they unpack it and go oh my god it moves from task to people From problem to possibility, Mm. from feeling a little disconnected to feeling more connected, from feeling distance and cold to warm and engaged, all these words come out time Mm. and time and time again for people to experience it. Then we can really go much deeper into, okay, so what are some of the barriers? What's your classic listening default? How do you recognise that? And we move from there.
0: Yeah, wow. And do you do um, sort of this? That sounds as though that's sort of like a day or half a day scenario. Do you do other things as well um, to deepen the listening? I'm particularly sort of wanting to dig into more of the leadership scenario because as you pointed out, communication and listening as part of that communication is so important and probably the thing that gets ticked off in a checkbox in corporate land, in leadership land, but actually doesn't actually end up being being delivered. There's not actually a change that occurs. They've ticked the box, they've had a listening exercise, but the fundamentals within the organisation haven't changed. And I know you do a lot of work around that that actually sticks Uh, because of the work that you actually do and the the experiences that people go through. So can you share a little bit of uh, either some examples of uh, what's occurred around that for you with with your groups?
1: As with any facilitated change, people need to practise. And if you have iterative rounds, it's Mm -hmm. far more effective. So yes, I do half day, full day, workshops which is more sort of a a dive in but if we can do workshops every fortnight and do multiple workshops then people have the opportunity to go away and practice so they'll be given little little listening tasks to do and then then come back and have some in-group coaching but I think one of the the greatest experiences I've had is doing a leadership development program mm. over six months within a very, very large organization here in Australia yeah. with leaders in different parts of the organization. Mm. And listening was a big part of that training program. And mm. so we would come back every every month. And the change that occurred there was twofold mm. in that these leaders, because they had learnt how, to listen and were starting to embody and practise that, they were actually able to support each other in a way and understand each other and develop trust in each other in a way that hadn't occurred in the organisation before. Mm. So once I left, that continued. Mm. They had their own meetings and groups or people that they could tap into, ring, call, knowing, and trusting that that person could hold the space and listen to them in the way they needed. Whereas they weren't reaching out to people before, they felt very alone and isolated, or if they did, they, they weren't getting the support that they needed because nobody actually knew how to actually slow down, mm. not interrupt, you don't have to fix everything,
2: mm.
1: actually be present and listen to that other whole being as you were talking about Mm. and within that organization as well there was one particular leader and she was taking hours of work home each day she was very very stressed and she was struggling with delegating and felt like her staff weren't doing what she'd asked them to do Mm. and we flipped that around for her to understand how she was being perceived Mm. and that she was busy you know, kind of talking at people, all with the best of intentions Mm -hmm. but wasn't spending the time. She didn't think she had the time to Mm -hmm. actually inquire and ask, well, Mm -hmm. how are they doing and what are their thoughts on this? Mm -hmm. And over time she shifted and she built trust and connection with her staff and suddenly the whole dynamic changed. There was higher engagement, loyalty went up, So now when they were having meetings and and delegating, the staff were, yes, okay, we can do this. How can we help? It totally changed the dynamic of the conversations, Mm. totally changed the way she operated at work, totally changed, therefore, her home life as well because she wasn't working for three hours at home at night because she had created a team environment now instead of, more her trying to do everything, being didactic wasn't working. So she would just pull back and go, well, I'll just have to do it myself. Yeah, yeah. That was that was beautiful. And to see the change in the home life. And I've mm-hmm. seen that time and time and time again, even in workshops where I've gone into an organization, I might, might only see them twice or three times
0: mm-hmm.
1: to see on that last session when we do some reflection Mm. And people will say, I I can remember one distinctly. And she had a little girl who would have been six or seven years old. And part of the training, we talk about the difference between being heard and feeling heard. And there's a distinct difference because we have cognitive capacity to hear the words. Mm. But the person on the other end doesn't feel it because you're not actually present with them. Mm. And we were doing exercises around that. And she took that concept home with her daughter and started to really realise that when her daughter talked to her, she wasn't present. She was always doing something else. And she could hear her daughter and cognitively understand it, but her daughter didn't feel her. And they were having behavioural issues with her and looking at having her behaviour, you know, going to therapists to work out how we can modify her behaviour at home and it was because this little girl wasn't feeling heard and a couple of weeks later she came back into the workshop and it gave me goosebumps because I was expecting I was expecting something about work I was expecting to say so how's that you know when you're talking to people in the workplace and you've got client interactions She said actually can I tell you a story about my daughter and home and she said it took a little while but her daughter now trusts that mum is listening and mum will stop, look her little girl in the eye or let her know I can't talk now, sets aside time and those behavioural issues disappeared. She didn't have a behavioural issue. She had a I'm not being seen and heard issue. And, yeah, it was those moments... They are. They're just, they're life-affirming and they're just beautiful.
0: Mm, mm. I'd (laughs) love to ask you another uh, another question around that and how. um, So I'll ask the question and then we'll just nip to a quick break. But I'd love to um, sort of dive into that, um, especially since COVID has hit and that's been affecting so many people from a a connection perspective, because we're doing so much more um, on Zoom and we're doing so much more where we actually are disconnected and people are feeling isolated, I'd love to have a little bit more of a conversation around what you've seen in relation to that um, and some of the stories of those positive change, um, if you can answer that for me when we come back from the break, that would be fantastic. Sure. Just knit to a quick break now, thank you. Yeah.
2: Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Are you a speaker, coach, or consultant wanting to increase your reach and impact? Need to save time and leverage your resources? Content repurposing is the fastest way to increase your visibility, credibility, and profitability online and reach your audience with ease. You already sit on a mountain of gold that is highly valuable to your audience. It's in your books, training manuals, articles, and presentations. We regularly turn clients' books into 12 to 24 months' worth of content. Let us turn your existing content into visually stunning bite-sized content tiles. Content repurposing is the easiest way to turn your past into profits. Turn your existing content into bite-sized glitter that you can sprinkle everywhere with ease to attract your ideal audience. Let us amplify your voice, your message, and your impact. Find out more at sallyacurtis.biz.
0: To get the word out on your business, you might consider hitting the streets in a chicken costume. What is it about the feathers and floppy orange feet that makes people more open to taking those flyers off your hands? The answer is pity and not an interest in what the flyer you're handing out is actually selling. Not so with what your ad with AT&T Advertising Solutions is selling. Because nothing can beat its power to reach potential customers at the exact moment they're trying to reach you. AT&T Advertising Solutions. To advertise, call 1-800-GET-REAL. Thank you. So I'd love to dive into a little bit more um, around the teams, particularly the teams now that we're working in a hybrid, uh, more of that hybrid world where there's a lot of people working from home, particularly because I hear a lot of uh, leadership consultants talking about disconnect, isolation and the wanting to connect um, again, but they're having that struggle because they, they were struggling before when they were in the room. Now they're not in the room. Um, So I'd love to hear some of your insights and perhaps some of your tips around uh, what you've been seeing over the last sort of 12 months or so.
1: Zoom is different from live and there are advantages, I think, and disadvantages of that. And I think you've tapped into it maybe consciously or unconsciously yourself, Sally, that if you couldn't really connect with somebody face-to-face, you're not going to be able to really connect with somebody through Zoom. It's it's not a, a, a panacea that, okay, now I, I don't have to deal with the person in person, so it's going to be easier. It's quite a different setup and scenario. Mm. We are wired for and biologically wired to be in person and there is this kind of neural synchrony and an energetic exchange that occurs in person that we don't get through the screen. And when we are talking to somebody face-to-face, I'm not looking at myself on a screen at the same time. It's a weird, it's a yeah. weird situation to be in where we see the other person and we see ourselves. If we're really in a deep conversation with somebody face-to-face, we don't see ourselves. So one of the challenges with Zoom is that, checking of self
0: Mm.
1: there's more opportunity to check to check self and I do know there are some groups now that will invite videos to be turned off so that we're not worried about looking at our cells all the time the flip side of that is when you've got you know 20 black screens on a screen as well Some people feel like that's more disconnecting. So people are playing with that, having videos on and having videos off. Mm -hmm. What I find with Zoom, which is very much the same as in person, if you're in a networking room or a team meeting of 20 people in a room, it is hard to connect with everybody It's the same. You can't connect with 20 people very easily on screen. So using the breakout rooms is really useful to have mini conversations and then bring it back so that you feel connected. And as human beings, if we feel connected to one or two people in a room, we sort of feel like we are connected and belong to the greater whole. If everybody in the room feels like they're connected to a few you get this sense of, yes, we're all part of something. That happens in real life. That happens on Zoom. Yeah. So if you can set up little check-in activities or little um, just get to know each other's, but in a breakout room so people feel that it's more intimate, then when they come back to the bigger room, they actually feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm part of something and I might not quite know these people but I'm feeling really quite close and connected to these people. So it creates a general greater opening for the group as well. And I think we need to also be comfortable with that element of discomfort and silence Mm -hmm. because often there's lag times and things on Zoom chats and not to rush things. Mm -hmm. It's okay to ask a question, sit quietly, wait for somebody to answer mm. I think there is more chance with, particularly if, if we don't have the the mute buttons on there tends to be more of talking three people talking and then everybody's stopping and it's this this disconnect of yeah. I'm oh no you are so no you go and yeah. that's all <laughs> clunky yeah whereas if we're not in a hurry and it's like, uh, which is being open and listening to go, okay, and being aware and just slowing it down, mm, mm. giving people that space, mm. honouring that space, we can connect. My experience is we can actually connect very deeply on Zoom mm. as well, not as deep as we would in person, but we can and a big part of it is how much of yourself are you bringing? Mm. Am I? You know, I'm here, and while we're on screen, you know, I'm as much as I can. I'm embodying and feeling like you're just there. You mm. know, you're the opposite side of the screen. I'm just mm. in a room having a conversation with Sal. Mm. I'm not okay. I'm on video. How am I looking? You know, let's let's you know. Because we can see ourselves, people tend to be more self-conscious and it's you need to actually lose that. You need to pretend that you're not looking at yourself and yes. really focus on the other. Your focus is on the other
0: person. And I think you've tapped yeah. into something there too. Uh, when you are uh, worried about yourself um, and you do become more con- uh, self-conscious, that habit of not enjoying the silence becomes worrying. So that's why everybody is wanting to talk all at the same time and not allowing that space to occur because nobody is comfortable when you're uncomfortable anyway. You become more uncomfortable about the silence. So I think that's uh, where the ability to listen um, comes in where you can actually hold that space to create the listening and create the silence that creates the opportunities.
1: Very much so. And it comes Mm. from the top. The Mm. greatest influencer is always the one with the greatest influence, really. Mm. So the leader, the team leader, whoever's running that session, Mm. it's how they show up. Mm. It's their presence. It's their level of comfort with discomfort. It's yeah. their ability to not cut people off, to hold that space. And it is very much about its presence as well. So you model that when you come in. If you're opening up a Zoom meeting and you've rushed and you've, right, everybody say, so, right, we've got to get down to it. And just everybody's already kind of, it's, mm-hmm. it's no different from if you yeah. rushed into the meet. They're all, okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you spend a couple of minutes, which I always do, that whether you meditate, whether you ground, whether you do breath work, where you go, okay, I'm bringing all of myself or as much as myself as I can here, again, people entrain to that even on screen.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I think I'll, I'll come back to that in training. Peter, one of our very, very dear friends, has just commented it's um, on one of his Zoominars, he was um, complimented that it was just like having an actual real conversation with him. And that's, I suppose, yeah. is the, the guts of it. And I know Peter's an exceptionally good listener as well. Yes, um, The elements uh, of listening as well. So I'd love to talk a little bit more um um, around that entrainment um, because I think that's such a powerful word uh, Word from the influence that we have and the ability to have that energetic exchange. So can you share some tips as it relates to listening and perhaps expand a little bit on that entrainment and how, um, how that creates the collective uh, warmth of energy and that understanding of each other?
1: In, entrainment really is that energetic you know exchange that occurs we we sync up with people a big a big part of that is the level of empath empathy or empathic understanding that occurs so in order to be able to be empathic to another we really need to let go of our ego so a big part of it is being able to drop our ego, our beliefs, our bias. So again, it's an inner, it's an inner thing to be aware of when they they are coming up, so that you are very receptive to the other human being. So there's empathy at play, and empathy when we truly are in, empathic and listening to somebody in that way downloads oxytocin, mm-hmm. so that bonding hormone that often called the cuddle hormone or the, the hug the hug hormone that which is which actually calms our nervous system. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, our own nervous system starts to calm down. We have that oxytocin and we it occurs in the other person. So their nervous system starts to calm down, they have that oxytocin, you get this this loop. So you start to have that coherence and a entrainment that occurs. And we know then brainwaves start to, to sync up heart rate starts to sync up, breathing starts to, to sync up when we really are in tune or attuned, which is that entrainment that occurs. But I think the gateway to that is twofold. It's that presence, so being in your body in presence, and empathy, the art of empathy. So it's you know getting out of your own way to be able to be empathic towards the other. Which downloads that oxytocin and the change in the neurochemistry in you and in the other, so that you get that INS, interpersonal neural synchrony, that biobehavioral synchrony that occurs. And you don't then ha- you don't have to try to do it. Once you start, you'll notice that. You'll notice that in in yes. best friends, for example. Yes. And they will laugh, they throw their head back the same way, they, they sit the same way, the hands move the same way. They're not trying to do it, they're in sync. Yeah. They really are in sync. Or married couples that really are beautifully attuned, mm. you know, you can see them walking down the street and, and everything is aligned and in sync and when they talk to each other, it syncs up. They're not trying to. They have that true empathic, open understanding. Mm. That's that's like a bond between yeah. between people. So, but presence and empathy are the gateway to that.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I think for me, I, uh, as you were as you were uh, sharing the story of the the um, alignment, I was thinking of uh, visually, as you say, when you're watching two friends, and that was such a beautiful example in a coffee shop. And I, I'm am a people watcher, so. I <laughs> the best friends or the couple that have you know just got together and you can see that they're in, they're all just sort of uh, blissed out how how that magic happens but you can see and you can literally sort of see the flow of where they're in their moment and they're losing time with each other because they yeah. they're, they're in that moment and that, all that all the chemistry is going on So uh, Colin's just commented on um, loving the interactions and insights today. So thank you very much, uh, Colin. And I'm um, finding the same thing myself, which is awesome. But I love uh, the way that you've described that gateway of of presence and empathy. Um, And that really is the the real starting point. Um, That's just just been a really beautiful, um, teachable moment for me. So thank you. Was there anything else that you'd like to share today?
1: I wanted to share the metaphor of a listening bowl. You've seen my singing, my singing my singing, bowl, which I use as a gong and sing in workshops and things that I do. But one way to really think and reflect on your listening is using the metaphor of a listening bowl. And to, to think of it as it is a gift that you give to somebody to say, hey, you know, how are you doing or how can we work together or what's going on? And it's like metaphorically you holding out this bowl to say, I'm really interested. I really want to know. I want you to put in your ideas, your thoughts, your beliefs, what's bothering you in the bowl. And I'm holding it. And it's safe with me. I'm not going to drop it. You know, I'm not going to agitate it. I'm not going to throw it over my shoulder. It's like this is like a sacred space I'm holding out to you for you to fill. And then if you imagine that there's a little bit of water in the bowl and I'm I'm inviting you to throw your pebbles in the bowl Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to hold them and let them ripple, I do not throw my pebbles in the bowl and disrupt your story. Mm -hmm. It is all about me holding the bowl to catch your story. So you can put your pebbles, you make the ripples, it's yours. And I am holding that, honouring that Mm. for you. But this bowl is not for me to put in. I'm not the director of your story, you are. And by doing so, I'm honouring that and I like. I like that metaphor and I found a lot of people have found that a really useful way so that when they're listening to somebody they can say them to themselves oh I'm about to throw a pebble in oh no you know it's it's something you can catch yourself going up it's not my pebble it's it's theirs and you can invite them in in a sense you ask more questions because you want them to fill the ball
0: mm, mm. beautiful mm. I'd love you to um, share some of the stories and I, um, got, my mind goes back to the one where you talked about uh, the two flip charts and I think from a corporate perspective we understand the two flip charts <laughs> uh, and you talked about the bef- uh, literally the before scenario and the, af- uh, the after scenario. So I'd love you to recap, uh, to re-inspire the listeners um, about the differences between the before and the
1: after If we are really listening from our heads, which is a very cognitive and quite a cold analytical space, we tend to focus on task, we tend to focus on problems, it can be quite negative and it becomes a dot point list. (laughs) Yes. Now, there are times when that is useful. But when we're talking about human connection, human engagement, building, and you know, I'm going to say the word that's bandied about a lot at the moment psychological trust. If we want to build psychological trust and safety in the workplace, mm-hmm. we need to listen from a different place, and that is from the heart. We have to get out of our heads, climb down that level, let it ladder slide down the hill into our heart space, which is a much more open, receptive place then and we find that then the listening and the conversation shifts to people it shifts to possibility it shifts to hope connection it becomes deeper richer that's where creativity and innovation come from yeah yeah
0: yeah that's um and I think um that opens up in itself that conversation it opens up as you said, the possibilities, the creativeness, the connection, the um, the opportunities for all in the room. So it's not it, it doesn't become uh, just the one person, it becomes the collective.
1: Yes. A, and that you, you end you create you can. You create you can create I often call it a heart field. Mm. You you you're creating a field of energy which is safe. It's warm. It's inclusive. People feel that they belong, mm-hmm. and from there, you know, arises things that you couldn't even forecast or imagine. Mm-hmm. Humans will amaze you. Yes, if you give them the space and honour that for them, so that they and but it takes a little bit for people to trust that do, yeah. do you mean this? Is this okay? Yeah. But I've seen it and you've witnessed it time and time again in workshops, you can facilitate spaces for people. If you truly genuinely want, you're curious, you're open, you're receptive, and you're operating from an embodied space, Mm. it, it really, it's magic.
0: Yeah, and I'm just gonna add to that magic there because not only is it the magic in that workshop for the people that are in that room, for the teams that are in that organization, but that magic ripples out as we've heard to the families, to the children, and what does that do for the rest of the world and the rest of us? So um, yeah. thank you, that's um, absolutely beautiful. So how can people best get in contact with you, Nicola?
1: I do a lot on LinkedIn, so just look me up on LinkedIn and I would love love to, to connect and have further conversations and listen to where people are at, I have a website www.nicolalipscomb.com yep. and do these days do a lot of work on Zoom as well. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, we can do coaching and um, listening programs online as well.
0: Just had a question come up from Brett. Is there a place group or forum where we can go and practice and make awkward mistakes, <laughs> in, uh, comments, techniques, and then help them get become more natural um, so we can experiment and trial before important conversations with family or colleagues?
1: I love that. I don't have a public space yet. But this is what I do in organisations. We create listening circles, um, mm. listening so that we can, through the listening program, we create that within within the program so people get to practise before they have to exactly have awkward conversations, have to talk to their boss, have to have a conflict resolution conversation with somebody, somebody at work. But get in touch and we'll see what we can do for you
0: yeah, and
1: with you. Not for you, with you.
0: Yes. So, Brett, if you have any um, issues, just reach out to me and I can personally connect yes. you with Nicola. That's no problems whatsoever. So, thank you very, very much, Nicola. We're just heading over time now. So, I'm just going to say thank you very, very much. Thank uh, you to everyone that's listened and commented today. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and just very, very quickly for next week, uh, we have myself and Gary Prigg on the show and I'm actually going to be being interviewed. Um, So you never know what's going to happen or where that will go. But as always, we'll have lots of fun. I thank everyone for joining us yet again and thank Nicola uh, for her incredible insights and uh, warmth today. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Nicola. And we will see you again next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us I trust you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more Success Secrets Exposed.